Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sneaky Sports Podcast, episode number 111 on this Monday, March 7th, 2022. A beautiful rainy day here at Syracuse University for me. Um, how are you guys doing, uh, Nick and Frank? I'm doing great as always. Uh, I can't say it's rainy here, but, you know, I'm glad to hear you're enjoying the weather. Yeah. I'm a bit busy week before travel, but, uh, you know, busy is Busy good. week. You have no class. Like, you're literally off a of class, like, the I've entire com- week. I've been no, on my I computer know. all day editing, and then I have, uh, like, haircuts, doctor's appointments. I got to go get, like, toiletries and stuff. Like, I've been running around. No, I, I, I hear you. But it's funny how, like, Frank's always – Frank's classes always cancel. They, they just don't They just don't happen. Uh, that's my mouth for you. But um, anyways, moving on to what we'll talk about in today's episode, we'll talk about the Nets and – if they have enough time to figure things out with only 17 or so left uh, games left in the season, the Bulls struggles versus top teams, Zion returning to New Orleans and the Pelicans, you know, being winners of four of the last five games, they're kind of, you know, rolling with CJ and BI. We'll talk about KP's impressive Wizards debut, the Celtics win streak, Jalen Green and Cade's improvement over the past couple of games, and we'll wrap things up with some mailbag Monday. So without further ado, Let's dive on in, Um, but wait, we cannot dive on in just yet because we do have to remind you guys, if you would be so kindly to do so, rate our podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It would really help us out a lot um, in boosting the podcast to other people in the algorithm. Um, We got one more review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you. No comment with that review. And on Spotify, let me check real quick what number we're up to. We are up to 46, so almost surpassing our total. We're two behind our Apple podcast total. We've gained six, I think, oh, maybe four, five, something like that, new reviews since the last episode. So we greatly appreciate you boys who are spamming those, those reviews up for us. All right, let's kick things off today. Let's talk about the Nets. The Nets have lost 17 of their last 20 games they now sit one game under 500, tied for the 10th seed in the East. They're tied with Atlanta and Charlotte for that 8 to 10 range. So things are kind of getting a little scary for Brooklyn because now being tied, I believe, in the ninth seed right now, they're behind Charlotte. Um, they would have to win two play-in games, two in a row, to make the postseason. And to think this is where we are with the Nets is its pretty scary. You know, obviously there's still time, but... You know, if they have to go into the play-in tournament winning two straight games, I think the chances of that are pretty, not pretty slim, but they're definitely below 50%. So definitely something to panic about as a Nets fan. Um, KD's been back the last couple of games. He played versus the Heat, played versus Celtics, played phenomenal, but the team still lost both of those games. Simmons remains week to week, um, but he will rejoin the team in Charlotte for their upcoming road trip in Charlotte and Philadelphia. Um, but he won't play in those two games. He um, is expected to return to basketball activities when they get back to Brooklyn to play the Knicks on Sunday on ABC, but he's still going to be out for that game versus the Knicks. It just, they, he's going to be week to week, but like back to practicing with the team on Sunday. So that's, I guess, some positive news um, for the Nets. Um, the, the not so positive news is they only have six more opportunities for Kyrie to play in games. Only six more of the 17 games remaining um, Kyrie can play in. That, that's, a, that's yikes. And, you know, obviously, like I said, they would need to win two playing games to make the playoffs at this point. Um, just real quick, 
I think the Nets don't or I, I it's it's a complicated answer. I think the Nets do have time to figure things out because like this team reminds me a lot of the Lakers last year in the sense where, you know, before the injuries, they were a one or two seed when healthy. Um, and then they kind of slipped that seven to nine, eight range, you know, when the stars got hurt, KD got hurt or got hurt, LeBron got hurt, AD got hurt. Um, and, you know, they can pick it up. Like they can still win a playoff series as a seven, eight seed if they all are healthy. But like we saw with the Lakers last year, healthy, it's hard to stay healthy when you've been hurt all year. Like the Lakers were up two one versus Suns, up 15 points in game four. They were going to win that series versus the, the Western Conference champion Suns. But obviously AD goes down and, and the rest of his, the rest is history. Um, and I think it's just a big question if, if they can get all these three guys on the court, because if they can, I mean, we all know they're going to beat anybody in a playoff series. I mean, let's not pretend like the, the Bucks are better or the Sixers are better if all these guys play, but that's just so much of an, uh, if at this point that you have to kind of just, you have to kind of just rate, evaluate this team that they're going to have only one guy out of the three. And probably it's gonna be KD because Kyrie can't even play in home games still. I don't. I don't think that's a, such a guarantee that they're gonna beat everybody with all three anymore at all. Um, based off the game that I watched against the Celtics most recently, you know they had KD and Kyrie and they still came up short. Obviously Tatum had a, an amazing game, but there's a lot of teams that are on par with this team in the Eastern Conference, and that's just how it is nowadays. And I don't think Ben Simmons makes the kind of impact that James Harden would have had if he was the one that was missing out of the three. And I don't even think it's relatively close. Um, and you know what? It's going to take time for Ben Simmons to find his role. We don't even know how many games he's going to play. Same thing with Kyrie. Basically, then at the at that point, you're just throwing them all in, uh, in together, you know, for the playoffs and probably going to be a seven or eight seed at that time and say, okay, go go beat a one or two seed. And I, you know what? They might, but there's also a good chance that they don't. And I think that being a low seed and not having a lot of chemistry with these guys playing together is going to ultimately make sure make this team not, you know, go to the finals. I don't even think they have a chance possibly to get out of the second round. I think they're extremely overrated. And I, I don't think they're going as far as people think. I think Milwaukee's better. I, I think that Philadelphia is better. I think Boston's on the same level. Chicago's on the same level. I think a lot of teams are on par. I think the Nets are in the second tier of teams down the Eastern conference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is no guarantee that they beat any of these teams. They're not better than the Bucs and they're not better than the Sixers. And, you know, what really sticks out to me is how are they three and 17 in their last 20 games? I mean, the Pistons have won more games. The, the Magic have won more games. This isn't a, oh, we're missing James Harden. We're missing a Kevin Durant thing. This is a coaching issue. This is a culture issue. There's something wrong. How do you lose 17 of 20 games? Because, you know, like in the NBA, like there's, you got plenty of opportunities and every team wins some games, you know, like, it's not a talent thing. So there's something very wrong with Brooklyn right now because they have Kevin Durant back and he's playing very well and they're still losing. Throwing yeah, he, Ben Simmons in there doesn't fix things at all. He scored 31 points against the yeah, Celtics. Exactly. I mean, what, how much more do they, no. does he have to do? You know, I, I agree with what you guys are saying in the sense that like it's tough being an eight seed and then having to win, beat the one seed first round, beat the four seed the next round. But I think what we saw from the Lakers last year is enough evidence that if healthy, if those stars are healthy, they'll win. Because the only reason, the only thing that stopped the Lakers from losing to the Suns was the AD injury. Like, they were going to win that series. Yeah, yeah but, but LeBron and AD have chemistry. They play together. They won a championship together. Like, Ben Simmons hasn't even stepped on the floor in over a year, let alone with these guys. Like, and then Kyrie Irving, same thing. Him and Kevin Durant have played, what, like 30 games just together total? Like, they have no continuity. I think it's a completely different situation. 
Um, and, you know, it, it just shows here that there's no chemistry on this team. It's like, literally, you're like watching a different team every single day and they don't win games. This, is, just, this is not your typical like, oh, this team is just injured. They'll be good when they're healthy. This is very different than that. They also just lack a consistent big man that can actually like rim protect and stuff. And they get abused with players driving in the paint, constantly getting buckets. Like good luck beating the Bucks and even getting semi close to stopping Giannis or good luck even touching Embiid. He's going to score 50 on your head every single game. They're, they, they, like this team is not, not even close. This was supposed to be a lock. Ben Simmons is not going to change anything. Like you said, he hasn't played in over a year. And he's what is he going to come back okay. to last week of the regular season? Yeah. And we don't even know what role he's going to have for the Nets. Because on one of the last podcasts, Ben, you talked about how he's going to be like that dunker role guy. He might not have that Draymond Green role. We don't even know what role he's going to have. So, like, yeah, he's going to have to play a Draymond, like, dunker type role where he's not the point guard. Like, Kyrie should be the point guard of the team when Ben Simmons gets back because Ben Simmons is has proven that he's not capable of bringing the ball to the court and you know, being the floor general of the offense, you know, when you're a point guard, I think a lot of people just confuse the word traditional point guard as a person who passes the ball. No, in today's NBA, you need to score the ball. Like you need to be able to show defenses and and pose a threat as a scorer. He poses no threat as a scorer. People will give him 14 foot jump shots. Like at least with Giannis, he could shoot the mid range. Any good player offensively can shoot the mid range. At least Ben Simmons has proven that he can't even shoot a shot past eight feet from the basket. So how does Ben Simmons coming back change anything? No, honestly, I think I think KD it, and Kyrie just being there. Ben Simmons aside, I think Ben Simmons is not the player that everyone thinks he's he is. I think that he is being a bit overrated in terms of impact. He's a role but, player. He's a good role. But a very, I will very good I will say player. this: KD and Kyrie, you cannot like, dude. KD, you saw. I think if you give KD Kyrie for half the game, Seth Curry, all these guys. He can make some magic happen, dude. He almost beat the Bucks by himself pretty much last year in the playoffs. Yeah, but just look right now in the regular season then. The game against the Celtics, KD and Kyrie, and then the game against the Heat. Yes, because you know, Tatum had 54, 54 points. That was, okay. I mean, they, they, they lost with all three. Harden, KD, Kyrie versus Tatum last year, one game when Tatum had 50. Yeah. That's yeah, just but a tough... They also lost to the Heat with KD, and he scored 31 points. He's not yeah. just going to be able to bail. One player can't just bail out a team. We're seeing that this year with the Lakers, too, and LeBron. He scored 50 the other night, and they, and they still barely, almost yeah. lost to the Warriors. You can't bet one, – one player can't bail somebody out, and Kyrie's not going to be there every game. Ben Simmons, we don't even know where, where the guy is. Like, it, it's, Yeah, it's but Ky- even Kyrie for half the games, like, should help him. Like, on the road, they should have no excuse to, like – they should be winning, like, at least 50% of road games in the playoffs. Like, you have to win one of two games in the – you have to steal one game in the road. Kyrie being in and out of the lineup destroys continuity, destroys chemistry, destroys rotation. It does. It's it's not good because then, oh, Drogic, you'll be starting this game. Then all of a sudden Kyrie comes back. I'll go back to the bench. You're shifting everyone's minutes. You're shifting everyone's rotations. It's It's a problem, and ultimately it's a distraction. Harden's right. It is a distraction. You can only play half the games, and you can only play road games, and any of the season you only have six road games out of 17. Good luck. Yeah, so right gonna, now they would. Yeah, right now they would play the. By not playing, he's just he's just sitting. Mm, yeah, right now they would play the the Heat or the Sixers in the first round, depending on the play and if they were able to win that. So, do I think they could beat Philly? No, but the Heat. Okay, look, I'm just gonna say it. I think they could beat the Heat in the playoffs. Oh yeah, but they sure, for sure be a, a given though. Because look given. at this: who's the best player? Who's the two best players in that series? It's Kyrie and KD. They have the two best players in the series. Yeah, but then the Heat have like three through eight. 
you know? <laughs> Potentially. I mean, Ben Simmons has to be somewhere in that. Come on, he's and, been number I, seven. Once again, we, we, just, we don't know anything about Ben Simmons, and we don't know what his role is, and they don't know what his role is. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, you know, like fitting in with other superstars. It's something that takes months and months of playing together, and they're going to have, like, three games before the playoffs. And we saw it last year, and, we, like, we saw it this year. Everybody kept questioning, like, oh, the big three hasn't played any games together. Like, like they got to start playing games together. And, like, if they just never do, it's just never going to work out. It's as simple as that. I will say this. Embiid gets – way too little blame for what happened last year in the playoffs. Like, let's not act like Embiid had a good series versus Atlanta. He was 0 for 12 in the fourth quarter, like, of, like, one of the games, I think, game five. Like, he he did not have a good series. So, like, this whole notion that Ben Simmons is all at fault for what happened in that Hawks series is just ridiculous to me. Like, I, he, he's not, because Embiid played just as big of a role in that debacle. Yeah, but uh, it's kind happened. of the way that Ben Simmons, like, reacted and handled it after that they're really, like, kind of, that, no, that's that's true. On. That's true. And, and, he, and he deserves that. And he deserves that. But like it, it, the, the reality of it is the Nets have more distractions and everything else going on than basketball and they're not performing. And like you said, Graf, it's a coaching problem. Look what the look what the Clippers, for example, are doing without their two best players. Right. The Nets were in a similar situation. The Clippers hey, the are Knicks won last weight. night. Yeah, they, they, the Knicks beat them last night. But yeah, the Clippers are holding their weight. They beat the Lakers by 32. Reggie Jackson stepped up. Guys are stepping up. They're, they're a well-coached basketball team. Like you said, Ty Lue's one of the best coaches in the NBA. And they're keeping themselves in a position to where when their star players come back, they can click right away and then get moving. Like, that, we're not seeing that from the Nets at all. At all. Because KD yeah. comes back in. He scores 31 points. He, he has a solid game against the Celtics. Like, what more do you want the guy to do? He can't, he can't do much more. Mm-hmm. Anytime you lose three games, anytime you win three games in a 20-game stretch, like the coaching has to be questioned, right? I mean, that's horrible. Three and 17. I didn't even realize it was that bad until I saw you type it out. I knew they were like, we're losing a bunch of games, but, you know, putting it in perspective, they've lost 17 of their last 20 games. That's just ridiculous. Like the Pistons have won five games in that span and they're literally not even trying to win. Same with the Magic. It's like, it, it's just unacceptable. And, I think you know, even Steve the Lakers Nash, have won more at this point in the last 20 games. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> I mean, Steve Nash is somebody who, I mean, I pretty vocally thought they shouldn't have bought and I thought Kenny Atkinson was great. And now I think he's on that Clippers coaching staff. Um, but Steve Nash wasn't the guy. He's very uh, – the definition of an experience. He's never been a head coach before. Um, you know, they wanted him there, the players, and it hasn't worked out clearly because he does not – he doesn't get the most out of his players like a guy like Ty Lue does, and it shows. Um, but the worst part is, like, the Clippers haven't had their stars the whole year. Like, the Nets have had at least some combination of Kyrie or Harden or KD, and, like, they're still not winning games. So it's just – it's just sickening, honestly. Well, they were winning games like the first three months of the season. Like in December, late December, oh, they yeah, were the sure. number they one like, seed. On yeah, Christmas sure, Day, but, they were the number one seed still. But then since then, they've, yeah, I think they were been, 23 and nine at one point. So they're like seven and like 25 or something. Yeah, because like, James Harden kept them afloat. But Nets fans, I, I, told, I told you all along, Nets fans, when the trade happened, Nets fans tried blaming James Harden for everything that went wrong. He was the only reason why you'll probably make the playoffs. He's probably the, the uh, he's probably the only reason why you'll make the playoffs. James he Harden the at the end of the day. Playing. He was the only one consistently playing. Yeah. Like, he's he's going to be the reason why they make the playoffs. Cause he gave him all those wins in the, in the beginning of the season. It'd be funny. And if now he it's like, out then. That'd, be, that'd be, that'd be pretty, that'd be pretty ironic. All right. Let's talk about another playoff team. The Chicago bulls. They're in a, you know, in the midst of some struggles right now as well against top teams in the NBA. They're one in 13 versus top seven teams in the NBA. They play the 76ers tonight. It's a massive matchup. They're fourth in offensive rating, but 19th in defensive rating. Main struggles are obviously coming from the lack of defense. Ja had 46 against them. Giannis had 34 and 16, and they just have no way to stop Embiid. Um, you know, because Vuce is obviously not a great defender. But 
you know, they're, they're still without Alex Caruso. They're without Lonzo Ball. So dealing with some injuries as well. But, you know, come playoff time, I said this earlier, I think they're, the, you know, in the second tier of teams. But, you know, they need, they need these guys back and ideally, you know, to start winning because you know in the playoffs you're going to play against these top teams and the defense is going to be there so they got to figure something out and I think tonight's a decent test against Philly Mm -hmm. well I mean that's exactly what it is it's their defense they're in all of these games but they can't close because down the stretch every single possession the other team's getting a bucket and that's just you know all the all the top teams look at all the playoff teams are all top 10 in defense The, the Bulls are right there offensively but at the end of the day they're not getting stops not having all of their good defenders hurts but at the end of the day like they got to you know, like the stars got to step up and make some stops. Um, it's disappointing, really. But yeah, I mean, like guys like John Moran are just stepping up more. That's what it comes down to. Um, they got to be better defensively. And I don't know, hopefully come playoff time, if they get healthy, they will be. But that's, that's really all I can ask for. Yeah, no, I think this stat, like when I was when it was brought to my attention, it's definitely 100% alarming and concerning. And I don't even want to hear the excuse of, you know, Alex Crusoe and Lonzo Ball being out because, sure, that does obviously hurt their defense. But let's not act like some of the games they played versus top teams, the other guys' stars haven't been out. Like, they've lost to the Heat without Jimmy Butler, without Bam. They've lost to the Sixers without Embiid when they didn't have Harden or Mack. Like, they, they literally lost to, like, Niang. Niang had, like, 20 points in the game, and they lost to the, the Sixers that one time in the back-to-back. So... Yeah, of course it's concerning. They're 0-3 versus the Sixers. Like, they're 0-3 versus the Bucks. 0-2 versus the Heat. 0-2 versus the Grizzlies. 0-2 versus the Warriors. 0-1 versus the Suns. I mean, pretty much any team that you're going to need to beat to make out of the second round, you're, you, you've struggled mightily versus. Now, can they turn it around? Of course they can because they are getting those pieces back defensively. Alex Crusoe, Lonzo Ball. So, you know, they were a top 10 defense in the beginning of the year, but they've really slipped ever since those two have missed time. So if you can, you know, kind of get on a roll defensively, there's a chance. There's obviously, there's obviously potential there with, you know, potentially being a top 10 offense and defense and having two of the, you know, most clutch players in the NBA, two guys, you know, who can get a shot in the playoffs that I don't think many other teams could say they have two guys who can get buckets on the perimeter. Like not many teams. I I think it's only like them in a, a handful of three or four teams. So they have a shot, but what they've what they've shown us is that it's not going to happen. And I, I would honestly find it very likely they're a first on exit. Uh, I was going to say matchup. They just they just got to be better defensively. I mean, you're right; they have two of the best clutch scores. But if you watch the uh, what was it the Bucks game? Was it Friday or Saturday? I mean, they 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 were down Friday. eight and then they came back. They tied it up right away. But then it's like three straight possessions. The Bucks just scored easy. It's like you just don't stand a chance. But you can't play back and forth. You just can't yeah. play. No, they also get off the slow starts, though. Don't like they've gotten off to some like bad leads. Then they come back. They yeah, come back. That, really tough. They come back, and that, then they. It's tough. They were down like twenty to the Heat, and then they they bought it within a few points. But you're right. You can't be playing from behind every single game. Yeah, and then they're gassed by the time like they need to make a push mm-hmm. at yeah. the end. The reality of it is, though, one of the elite Eastern Conference teams is losing in the first round. Yeah, you can't take for granted the way that the Celtics have Especially played. Especially the way, yeah, the Celtics are playing like, now. That the Celtics definitely. legitimately might be the third best team in the East. Yeah, you have five or six teams. Some one of these teams is going to have to lose in the first round. And I think right now, if I had to take a you know swing at it, I'd say it's probably going to be the Bulls. Well, you know what? I would. It's going to be two teams because there's I think, six. Good I think teams. it might be the Nets too. I really do. I think the Nets have a good chance of losing in the first round at this rate too. I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. Well, yeah, if they're playing the Bucks or Sixers, I would guarantee a loss there. And then the Heat. I mean, I think the Heat have the edge right now. But you're absolutely right. I just don't even know if we can throw the Nets in that tier anymore. Like they're just 
They have more losses than wins. Now. Yeah, so let's know. say the five teams outside of the Nets, the Celtics, Heat, Bucks, Sixers, and Bulls. The Bulls might be the odd team out. I mean, I think the Heat and the Bulls right, yeah. are the weakest out of the, the way team. the Celtics are playing, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I know, but Frank, myself. Frank, the Heat are the one seed, though. So you have to look at it like like they're going to play the, the worst team out of and all they have And they have a, a three-game lead on that, too. But if the Heat somehow ran into the Celtics in the first round, I would not like that matchup as a Heat fan. Not no, I agree, but they're the one seed by three games, like you said. So they're going to play the eight seed, which is going to be like the Hornets Most or likely, Nets. Yes, Maybe the Nets. Like that would games. be scary. But the Bulls, however, they've quietly fell to fourth in the East, mm-hmm. and they're only like a one and a half games ahead of falling to number six. So yeah. they've kind of really gotten themselves in some trouble where they're yeah, going to have to play that, a good team. Because all these teams are within two, like two through six are within two games of each other. So there's going to be a lot of uh, movement exactly. a lot of before the season ends. It won't be set until the last game of the regular season, almost like it was last year. And then the Knicks were the one team, like we were the four seed, but we could have been all the way down. And then we also got stuck with the, with the bad first round matchup. and got knocked out. Oh, come on. But that was probably the, I mean, I don't want to talk about the Knicks, but that was probably the best matchup we could have got. I mean, it was at, or the Bucks. We could have played the Bucks potentially at oh, the yeah, sixth seed. Some, that so that's going to happen to somebody. That's going to happen to somebody this year. Same thing. Yeah, it's yeah, 100%. Happen. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's move on, though. Let's talk about Zion. Um, this is a topic that has just rapidly changed over the past week or so. Um, the Pelicans are playing good basketball right now. They've won four out of five. Zion has been cleared for basketball activities. Um, not really 100% sure what that means, but he arrived in New Orleans this past weekend. Um, we don't know, once again, if we'll be back or not, but they're playing well. They're comfortably in 10th place, so they're in the playing game. They'll most likely make the playing game. I'd be shocked if they didn't at this point, but getting Zion back, you know, maybe they can make some noise. I don't really know how much noise, considering they'd be a playing team. But I mean, the way Golden State has been playing recently, and now Memphis is in the two seed. You know, like it wouldn't be the craziest thing ever if you know New Orleans made a little bit of noise, especially with a star as big as Zion coming back. So, who knows? No, I, I think New Orleans, if they can get Zion back, this team, this team has a, a potential. They have potential, and I don't think they would even get close to winning a, a, a series, even versus Memphis. Like, let's just be honest, they would probably lose like five or six games still. But I think for next year, I think the bigger picture is more important with this, you know, Pelican team. Like mm-hmm. next year, I think they're very capable of being a top four, top five, top five seed if they could have Zion, CJ, and Bi. It it feels like there's like a new breath of fresh air ever since CJ got traded. Like defensively, like Herb Jones has started to get more love for his play. Um, it really just feels like the rest of the squad is getting that attention that they deserve. They've won, you know, four of the last five. They they blew out the Jazz. They they you know they almost beat the Nuggets, but Jokic had like a forty-eight point game, that, which was incredible. Like they were going to beat the Nuggets. They beat the Suns, like the Lakers, like so they've had some impressive wins. And um, I just think that next season, if Zion does commit, because I think he should. Like Zion ultimately should want to be in New Orleans. I'm sorry, but they're a good team. Like he, it feels like you know a lot of people say you know the Pelicans have failed Zion um, by putting him or they, Zion's been failed by the Pelicans. I think the conversation should be that Zion's failing the Pelicans because the small market, this small market team that everyone says like it's impossible to build a team. They've built a good enough team for you where there's no excuses why you should want out or you should hold out like like you should play because they've built a, a nice roster around you they have a good culture to all accounts like i know you guys said the josh hart thing and Nikhil alexander walker staying wasn't a big deal but to me that was something because i've never seen a team do that you've 
her like Willie Hernan Gomez talk about how this is like a family. Willie Green's a phenomenal coach. You've been hearing all but these positive things. And yet Zion's like the one who's really just the missing piece. Like he's, he's the one that's kind of like holding them back. So if they can get Zion back, that would be huge. If John Morant was on this team, they'd be at second or third seed in the, in the West right now. Look what he's doing with the Grizzlies. It's a pretty similar like roster. You could say the Grizzlies are a little bit deeper and they have some better guys, but like that fit around job, but I mean, how much more does this guy want? At one time, they also had Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram in him. And now they have C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram. Like you said, a lot of small market teams don't even have one legitimate star. They have two guys that are all-star caliber players. And you know what? Like you said, C.J. was a great, uh, you know, fresh breath of air. And it, you know, swayed Zion back in. Zion's back. He's clear for basketball activities. We don't know if he'll play this year. There's not many games left. But, you know, certainly if you can get him out on the floor for even maybe like four or five games at the end of the season – Good to get some chemistry with the guys, and maybe, you know, he'll stay. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, he's had some solid teams around him. Like, you know, you just got to be out there. He's missed more games in his career than he's played. And, if, like you said, they could be like I, – I, I'd say they're more like a six or seven seed next year with Zion, CJ, and B.I. Because I, I still don't love, the you know, the other pieces that they have. But still – you know, Zion was an all NBA player. He's legitimately, a, you know, a superstar. And we don't know what level he's going to be at when he comes back, but you'd certainly think that he could have possibly even gotten better and expanded his shot and gotten better in other aspects of the game besides, you know, scoring under the basket. But I mean, how much more do you want? Like for the Pelicans, they are the smallest, like the least valuable franchise in the NBA. You've had Drew Holiday, Lonzo, and Brandon Ingram. Now you have Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. Like, look what, like, a team like the Kings is dealing with instead. Look at the Blazers now. They have nobody besides Dame. Like, you have some all-star caliber guys that could score 20 on a nightly basis easily. Mm-hmm. No, I 100% yeah, I mean, agree. Zion, Zion, like, everybody talks about what Jaws doing this year, and he's been great, but, like, Zion was putting up 27 a game last year. I think people forget that. Like, he was that good, and, like, he was supposed to be a generational talent, and he was kind of living up to that hype in his second year, and I think some people forget that. And obviously we don't know what he's going to be when he comes back, but if he does live up to that hype, like why can't they be a top team in the Western conference? They do have all-star talent around him now. And it's like, they're just waiting on him. You're hundred yeah, no, percent right. When you said maybe Zion failed them. Cause that's I agree. Yeah. So I agree. Like they're, they're closer to like a Dallas Memphis type team mm-hmm. than like a playing team with, with Zion. They're basically like on the Dallas Memphis, like, here with like a, a superstar like Luca Jaw Zion with like West, a good supporting so, cast. The West is so sack like stacked though. Like you still have the Suns, you still have the Warriors. I know, but dude, like, this team, I, I think it's not crazy to say that they're better than Memphis. Like the supporting cast in New Orleans is probably better than Memphis. And I know Memphis is great, but Memphis doesn't have two all-star caliber players around Jaw. Dylan Brooks and, and Desmond Bain are close, but they're not CJ and BI like type players. There's no excuse why you can't be a top four seed when you have Zion, who is like a 27 point per game score, like 65% true shooting. He over, like, dude, he over exceeded his expectations last year. They were crazy, but he was phenomenal. He was generational in his second year in the NBA. Like he, he could definitely be that player. Like he's going to be that same player. I believe he's not going to regress that much and just get off one injury. I mean, we don't know. It could happen, but I, I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, so I'm, I absolutely I'm, hope not. We'll see, but... The, I'm the excited. I think this... guy in his second year in yep. the league is super rare. So, I super mean, rare. to look that hype. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to KP in the Wizards. He made his debut for Washington yesterday, dropping 25 points, five rebounds, two blocks, 
shooting seven of 12 from the field and three of four from deep. The Wizards win versus the Pacers, um, picking up, you know, a nice win for them. I believe they're still like one and a half games out of the play-in spot. So it's interesting to see if, if Washington could surpass Atlanta potentially for that number 10 seed and possibly make the play-in. I mean, I don't know, for whatever that's worth. Um, but yeah, I think the bigger storyline is obviously just talking about KP and his fit um, with the Wizards and if he could return to that all-star, you know, type form we saw him with the Knicks. Um, this trade, obviously, though, appears to be a win-win for both sides. Uh, I actually want to talk about Dallas's uh, side of it a little bit because Spencer Dinwiddie has been playing phenomenal. Dropped 36 points in a game recently. He's playing like 17 points a game, shooting very efficiently. Um, been a great, you know, piece, like like we thought, for Dallas, you know, with Luka. But also, you know, obviously... Porzingis in Washington, Kuzma is averaging 22 points a game, 10 boards since Christmas. So they Washington's building something. They're building something, you know, with Kuzma and Porzingis. And obviously Bradley Beal is, you know, an unknown with his Supermax contract, you know, looming, uh, his offer looming this offseason. But it's interesting to see. Like, I just want to ask you guys again, can Porzingis become an all-star in D.C.? I mean, yeah, he's like an all-star caliber player, but at the end of the day, he didn't contribute to the Mavericks winning. He actually was a letdown. And I'm afraid that I, when I think Bradley Beal comes back, he might do the same thing for Washington. Uh, the, the, knee hit, the knee injuries, you know, have been a history of problems for Porzingis. All of a sudden we see him missing games, you know, with knee soreness and stuff throughout his career. And at the end of the day, he's just an all-star caliber player. He's nothing more. And you have, you know, you, you took on his massive contract. I understand you got rid of Dinwiddie and Bertans who, you know, weren't playing as well for you, but like, I don't know, all-star. Yeah. Borderline, but he's nothing. He's nothing more than that. I, he's at his ceiling already, to be honest with you. I think um, he's, if anything, he should get stronger and, you know, work on his defensive, you know, game and get back to that block, those block shocking uh, block shot blocking ways that he, you know, had early on with the Knicks, but this is it. I mean, what are you at best with, you know, Porzingis and Beal? like a six C maybe at best, like he's nothing special. He's nothing more than this. And he's injury prone and he's not worth any of this anywhere close to the money that he's being paid. Yeah, exactly. That's what we talked about when he was on Dallas. He just kind of limits their ceiling because of his uh, massive salary. And, you know, kind of what we saw with Lucas, he doesn't really mesh well with other stars. He just kind of like takes turns like, okay, you shoot. And then I'll get my post touches and you'll sit and watch. And I mean, what, like, like once again, like one game versus the Pacers isn't really going to change my opinion. And like, I don't see him meshing well with Bradley Beal at all. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't think he'll really ever be an all-star again. I like, especially like in the Eastern conference where they're pretty loaded in the, in the front court now, a lot of forwards. And I just think that, I, I don't know. I just, and especially with Bradley Beal now, I read rumors that I think they're expecting him to sign that super max. So now you're going to be like just totally locked into like two guys and like, at least when you're the Lakers and you're locked into two guys, it's LeBron and Anthony Davis or like Kevin Durant and Kyrie, but like Bradley Beal and Porzingis is not it. And, you know, once again, one game versus the Pacers doesn't really change my outlook on that. No, I, I 100% agree with the whole thing about Porzingis' contract, but you have to account that they traded Bertans a negative asset and they traded Dinwiddie, who was for some reason just never really oh, seen wow, like he clicked in, in Washington. So What's up? NFL suspended Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley for the entire 2022 season for betting what? on NFL games. Wow. Calvin Ridley, bro, what is going on? He was betting on NFL games. Probably yeah. going to make a video on this after this fucking podcast. Dude, what the Oh, wow, yeah. Bro, what the fuck? 
Dude, excuse well, now me. Now he's not getting language. traded. Dude, <laughs> like what? I can't Damn. stop laughing at this story. So he was sitting out because of mental health, and he was gambling on games. So, wait, wait, but was he betting on the games he played in? Well, no, he wasn't playing. He was but, betting. So on how games is that so level. bad? That's not that bad then. It, you're, it's illegal. You're not allowed. That's crazy. But that, like, you're not even playing in the games. I, I, I right. suspended for a year for betting on games during the season. That's wild. No, that's but. crazy. But like, I was thinking it was his. It was his own games. Like that was a big deal. But like, to be honest. I don't think it's that big of a deal if it's not your own games. But, you know, look, he has connections in the, in the league. Like, he could be like, oh, yo, like, um, like catch his pass, <laughs> catch his pass for me, and I'll get $100,000 or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. But, um, all right. Anyways, back to, the, <laughs> back to my Porzingis thing. Yeah, um, going back to Dallas, um, I know you said Bertans is a negative asset, but I don't think he's even – like, yeah, he's making, like, way too much money, like 15 a year or something, but his contract ends much sooner than Porzingis. So, like – and it's still only, like, like a fraction of the salary that Porzingis no, is. I know, I it's, no, it's not a fraction. He makes, like, 20 mil. It's, it's actually, like, pretty – like pretty expensive. It's like okay, yeah, Bertans is at sixteen, and then what's 16. Porzingis like 35? 31. 31. Yeah, so half. And well, no, yeah, so but look. his contract ends a year sooner, and I just I don't know. It's so. Then would he never seem like he clicked though in Washington? Because like, I get that. I that just, was weird, and now I I'm seeing. I'm happy to see him thriving in Dallas, but I think that's not a bad trade to make. Like getting rid of those two guys. The only issue is maybe you know having to commit to Porzingis longer. Exactly. But like you're Washington. I mean, Washington's not going to land so, anyone special. I mean, so that poor. The, the reality of it is you fucked up in the first place by paying Dimwitty and Bertans that money. And this was a move. This was like a collateral move. Like you got rid of them. They weren't playing as well for you. you yeah, but Porzingis, Porzingis has upside though that Bertans and Dimwitty don't have. Like, sure, you make fun of Porzingis all you want, but like you say only an all-star. What's that supposed to mean? Like that's like that's good to be an all-star. No, I like, think he's only an all-star. Player. He doesn't contribute he's to very low with another co-star. No, I understand. But no, and I don't think his play is the problem. At best. He's a Sabonis like player at best. Well, he's nothing he's more not, than that. They don't even play like similar. Like, like, no, I get what he's saying. A caliber player. Like a, yeah, but Sabonis doesn't shoot threes. Porzingis does. Like Sabonis does his work on the block. Porzingis okay, we're just saying like that caliber of player. Like 20 and okay. 10. Like he's nothing yeah. more than that. He's he's not. Okay, I understand it, but that's not my issue. My issue with Porzingis is he can't stay healthy. Like he'll do oh, this. I, he'll I, impress that's you. also a problem. Yeah, no, yeah like, like, he'll, he'll imp- like, like he'll impress you by having some good games, right? But then after five good games, I, and this is my Porzingis theory, he'll play good for the first 10 games he's healthy, right? The first 10 games he's healthy, like he's back from an injury, he'll play fantastic. Then his knees start to like, break down his body really starts to break down on him and then th- for games like 11 through 15 he'll be on a slump which is because like he's tired or his knees like gave out on him and then he'll get hurt game 16 or game 17 and that'll be it and he can't work with the co-star we we, we he he didn't work with luke he's not gonna work well with beal he's not he he's just not he's nothing special he's really not well luca's a honestly to be fair to porzingis Luca, I don't think people talk about this enough. Luca's a really hard player to like play with as like another star. Like he takes a lot of touches, a lot of touches. I, I understand that. Like, but like, like Bradley Beal is very, kind of the very same ball way. dominant. Porzingis wasn't a guy that can like play off ball with Luca. That's the problem. Yes, yes not, I agree with. Yes. And another problem with Porzingis is: is he a five or is he a four? Because he's really he's soft. Okay, he, he should be a five. five. Call him a five, then. Then you you're you're at a liability on the defensive end because he's soft. He's straight up soft, and it's the reality of it. Sure, he mm-hmm. can block a couple of shots here and there, but he's not a great rim protector. 
and he's not a great defender against some of the better centers. Yeah, really yeah. quickly, I was actually wrong. Uh, Porzingis only has two years left on his deal. It's Bertans who has a much longer deal. So my opinion on that kind of changes. They're not a uh, walked well, that's in, interesting. Locked I didn't in even know too that. long term with Porzingis. I mean, you got to think he's going to accept his player option for the second year, but. Yeah, they better uh, not extend him though. They better not extend him. Well, I mean, you never well, know. They have I mean, time. They have time Bradley to see. Yeah. And I think the majority of people would argue that extending Bradley Beal at this point would be a mistake too. I agree that would be a mistake, but just don't right. extend Porzingis before he plays. Because the problem is the Mavs even the Mavs signed him to a five year contract before he even played a he game for played, him. Yeah, and that was a mistake. And you got to see how he meshes with Bradley Beal, especially if you are going to sign Bradley Beal to a long term deal because. What if they don't play well together? Then you're stuck with these two guys for five years who don't know how to play together. And that's very likely considering he didn't know how to play with Doncic and Bradley Beal is pretty ball dominant in like the same yeah, kind I, of fashion. I think Washington's best off. Bill, I think you might be, you might think I'm crazy, but I think Kuzma's a player to build around with young draft ass, like with getting, you know, high draft picks tanking. Oh, well, yeah, sure. I would hold on to him over Beal for oh, sure. Move, yeah, move on from Beal and Porzingis, like just, Go with Kuzma. Kuzma, you could sign to a deal. Kuzma's a good player. Mm-hmm. And then you move forward with that. Not a max deal, but Kuzma shouldn't be a max oh, deal. Like you, if you can get it for 20, like 22 million, that wouldn't be that bad though. Like, like that, you, it wouldn't be that bad. 22 the reality million. of it is, it is Bradley Beal's best days are behind him. He's not going to put up the numbers that he put up when they made the eight seed last year with Russell Westbrook. And Porzingis isn't a guy that works with co-stars. Washington needs to get rid of both of these guys. Like you said, restart in draft capital. They could have traded Bradley Beal to the Celtics last year at the deadline. They could have moved down from this offseason. They continue to hold this guy. They could have gotten the seventh and 14th uh, picks from the Warriors and, and Wiseman for him too. They, they kept holding on to this guy. Oh, he's going to sign. He's going to sign. Okay, fine. Your, 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 your ceiling is a six seed with Peel and Porzingis. And your floor is possibly still yeah, but, playing. So, no, but with Beal, though, it's not like they're um, – or, excuse me, with Beal. It's not like um, he's going to be, be bad in the future. It's just that, like, if you look at it from Washington's perspective, there's no real value in keeping him because he's going to keep you afloat to a point where you can't ever get that top three pick to alter the, – the top three franchise-altering pick yeah. is going to change mm-hmm. everything for you. And you're not going to get a free agent to come to Washington. You're, you're not because that's what teams make too much. Teams make the mistake too often of acquiring these top, the, the sixth overall pick, the seventh overall pick, back to back years, like eighth overall pick. You have to get the top two pick. If you you need to get that franchise altering star player, and if you get that guy, dude, you're like John Morant, Memphis, Zion, Pelicans, like you need that that number two, number one overall pick. That's gonna change everything for you, like a Cade Cunningham. Um, I mean, there's probably a lot of other examples I'm not naming. I mean, you guys. Yeah, I think this year you got to get a top three pick. I think all three of those top three guys can be franchise. I, 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 yeah. I think Pantero, oh, Holmgren, or Jabari Smith. You get one of those three guys, they can they can you know flip the script. Yeah, Jabari Smith's been rising too. I think Jabari I, Smith would be a nice you know, pick. I think he'd have to be number one at this point. But I, I'm still a fan of, uh, of Banchero. I, I like Banchero a lot. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a debate all off season, and it'll be interesting because it's really three guys now. Usually it's just two guys, but. Yeah. That's going to be a discussion. Yeah, you're winning if you're at the top of the draft this year, to say the least, mm-hmm. with any of them. The Knicks have to – the ping pong balls at the, the ping pong balls at the fall in our favor. Maybe. All right, let's talk about the Celtics <laughs> now, who I think are probably the third best team in the Eastern Conference. They were 18 and 21, now 31 and 39 and 27, 21 and 26 in their last 27 games, really kicked it uh, you know, into gear in December. They have the NBA's best defense in large part because of Horford and Rob Williams. Tatum dropped 54 on the Nets yesterday. So how far do you guys think the Celtics team, team could go? They got Jalen Brown back. They have pretty much everyone in their whole rotation back now. I think that probably 
they can win the first round. I don't know about the second round, depending on matchup, but I mean, you know, they've had some decent history against the 76ers before, so you never know what could happen. But I mean, I, I, th- I think that they're the third best team in the East. Mm-hmm. I, I keep uh, worrying about their depth. They just, they really just don't have a bench like whatsoever. Um, but, you know, matchup wise, I, I guess in the playoffs, you could argue most teams really only run like a seven or eight man rotation. So it shouldn't hurt them too much. Um, matchup wise, they can beat Miami. I mean, maybe they're not better than Philly, but like who better to play against Joel Embiid than like the best defensive big kind of duo in the league with uh, Al Horford and Rob Williams. Right. Um, and then obviously Tatum and Brown that can take turns defending hard. And so I think matchup wise, it could be a good matchup, you know, and maybe same thing with Milwaukee. Maybe they can kind of slow them down a little bit. I mean, if you told me the Celtics were to come out of the Eastern conference this year, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised at this point, just based off the way they're playing, but they wouldn't be my first pick. Um, I, I really love what they're doing. And if Jason Tatum can elevate himself to like a true superstar in this postseason, I don't see why they can't, you know, because they have the second, they have like the second guy in Jalen Brown, you know, they have great defensive pieces around them. One of the best defensive starting lineups in basketball, I mean, with Marcus Smart out Marcus there too. Smart. So I don't see why not. I mean, to answer your question about like the Celtics and stuff about, you know, how far they can go. Um, I don't think past the second round though, I'll say that. Like, I don't think they're beating the Bucks or the Heat or, or no, the Bucks are Sixers for sure, but probably even like the Heat as well. Um, and like, like you said, like the bench is a real problem. Like Peyton Pritchard, who's like supposed to be like their sixth man. I mean, they don't even have a bench. Like that's their sixth man, Peyton Pritchard, who's like terrible. Um, he's really regressed since his rookie year. Um, after having like, you know, I think his best season is rookie year after that, he's been meh. I mean, like they have Derek White too off the bench. Like they, they, I guess they have some pieces, but like, that's pretty much it. Derek White's like their only solid bench player. Peyton Pritchard's not Grant Williams. We know how bad he is. Um, Tice is, mm, it's not good. That that's a concern though. When you're, when your team is like six deep, like six deep, deep that, that's not going to really take you to a far playoff run where you win multiple rounds. You can win the first round, no doubt, with, uh, you know, a, a, a team like that, you know, with that. But, like, not taking it to the conference finals or the finals. They're putting up a fight against Milwaukee or uh, or uh, Philly. No, they're not. Yeah. First, so, Philly, like, is Philly no, not the same not. way where they're, like, extremely top-heavy with the, with the lineup? Philly they're, doesn't. They're, Philly's Philly has a bench. Like, yes, they they have a they not, like have a, like Niang goes off occasionally for like double digits. Jake Milton is is solid, but Danny I don't Green's think Jake Milton's any better too. than Derek White. You know, like Danny I don't. Green I think, off the bench. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, I guess, but good. what is like Danny Green's falling off a cliff? He's not yeah, really. He, like he's, a, he's not the. He hasn't fallen off. Factor, he's not as. as they're, they're 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 playing at least six games against Philly. But that, that's what I'm saying. Like, like the benches are equal. Danny Green and Shake Milton, like, that's no different than Derek White and Peyton Pritchard in my eyes at this point. Um, so, you know, you have Niang, Green, and Milton. That's three guys. That's eight. That's eight guys. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, if you they, want to they are indeed fight. people. But, like, how good are they? You know, like, I don't – I'm not really, like, afraid the, of the, the team. The Celtics, from... I mean, come on. Like, Grant – I mean, okay. Well, if we want to count Grant Williams, like, okay. I mean, the guy well, is – that's what I'm saying. Like, they're just – they, they both have just very below average benches. It comes – for me, it, it, it all comes down to the starting lineup and the matchups. And I think it might be favorable for the Celtics based on the fact that they're one of the teams that actually can kind of throw people at Embiid. Who can they throw at Embiid? Robert Williams? Well, Warford I mean, and Rob like, Williams. They're the yeah, best Robert, defensive yeah. uh, big man duo in basketball. I mean, like, no, there's not really much. That's, 
There's not much else you no, can do. I, I don't yeah. think Horford can slow down Embiid, though. I, I think Rob Williams can, but I don't think. I mean, the only team yeah. I would like more in that matchup potentially is the no, Bucks because they have Giannis and Portis. No, I think the Bucks Chicago. though are str- yeah, and then if they get Brooke Lopez back, I don't know if they're supposed to. I, I don't feel like Brooke Lopez doesn't move the needle for me at all. But he's a I, I, he was All NBA two years ago. He's a very good defender. The reality yeah, of it, he's it been is out the whole season with a back injury. He's like thirty-four years old. Okay, Al Horford's like thirty-three. That's what I. It's not like yeah, he's much like younger. He, he doesn't. He doesn't have like this crippling back injury that's held him out all year. <sighs> Al Horford was hurt for the Thunder like all of last year. I mean, or he was supposedly hurt according to Sam Presti. I don't think he was, he was hurt. I think he was just sitting out. You know, no, no, but... he was resting or like he was he was yeah. dealing with back soreness according to Sam Presti. The, the Celtics have a decent chance against Philly. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think they'd beat him, but I certainly think they'd challenge him for sure. And I think they'd but give, take a they're game. They're not bad. Like, but like the Bucks and Sixers are on their own tier, though. You, you don't think the Celtics are on the same I, yeah, tier? Yeah, I, as the Bucks I said and that earlier. I'd say they're they're the third team. I don't think they're on the same tier as those. But two. The only reason we're saying that is because the Celtics only have like 38 wins this season. If the Celtics were playing like this the whole season and not just the last 27 games, like what if the Celtics had? Okay, 50 well, the wins Sixers right now? the Sixers are four and zero with the trio of Harden. Well, that's what I'm saying. But the, the the Celtics are four and zero in their last four. I mean, like they're both just all right. But, um, but my point is, the Sixers the Sixers had a roster of just like. Embiid had COVID at one time too. So the Sixers started off the year good. Then Embiid got COVID. They fell to 500. If you take away Embiid with COVID, if you have Harden the whole season, they're probably a 60-win team. Yeah, I mean, if the Celtics like, are healthy too, I, like I, that's a lot of ifs. I'm just saying the way both teams I mean, have been playing the, the last you couple of the games, the, the way both teams have been playing, like it's – I no, just I agree. I agree. The Celtics had a better start to the season. We view them a little differently. But they've just been – they've been playing the best basketball in the NBA – over the course of the last two months. I mean, they have the highest point differential, you know. Like I just been, think that it, in a series, I don't think I, – I once again think Harden and Embiid are both better than Tatum. They're both – I think they're both better than Tatum. And, I, like, that's not disrespectful. Harden's better than Tatum. I'm, like, well, you guys I mean, that, that's why I said before, if the Celtics were to go far, Tatum would really have to elevate into, like, that real true superstar kind of – Thing that he's always kind of been. Well, on I think he is a super. I think he. I think he's a superstar. But like, he's like he's like fringe. I guess it depends what your definition. Fringe of top ten. I, I'm oh, talking yeah. like. Okay. He's got. Yeah. He's got like really elevate to like true true superstardom if they want to go far, and I think he can. I think it's definitely Harden, possible. Yeah, because Harden and Embiid are the best players at their position, arguably. Like both, like they're both top top seven players. Like Tatum's borderline top ten. I mean, I just think that's a problem. And with Milwaukee, Milwaukee has. I mean. They have one of the best big threes in the NBA. Holiday, Middleton, Giannis. I mean, Bobby Portis. Like they have, they have, and they're deep. Milwaukee's deep too. I mean, they were just they're, they're the champions. I mean, defending champions. Well, yeah, obviously. Milwaukee does have a lot of depth, but they gotta they gotta play better because as we've talked about like a hundred times, like they they're just not winning games. I, I disagree though. Right so Milwaukee was the one seed two years in a row before they won the championship. Yeah, no, last I year get they were it. the three seed. Mm-hmm. They, you don't have to be the best seed. I mean, they were the three seed last year. They won it all. They're, they're the three seed again, so they're fine. They no, wouldn't. No, work. I agree. No, I don't. Actually, I don't know. I keep flip flopping back and forth. I still think Philly's my pick to come out of the East, though. Milwaukee, it's so close. It's so yeah, close. but Milwaukee and Philly both don't sweep the floor with the Celtics. The Celtics are good enough. Oh, to I, I, they don't sweep. Yeah, yes. They, they, they take at least a couple of games off of each of them. I think if anything, they, they probably wouldn't win, but they definitely have a shot. Like you wouldn't be able to rule them out. Mm-hmm. Talk about this turnaround from Boston, though. Just to think, like a month or two ago. We were talking about, you know, how the Celtics are a play-in team and how they should split the duo of Brown and Tatum. Like to think that they've gone from that to this. Like Ime Aduko doesn't. Uh, I definitely botched the last name. Ime Aduko. I'm so I'm so sorry. But anyways, 
he's been a phenomenal coach like, and he definitely deserves, you know, coach of the year consideration, considering what, like what Brad Stevens kind of left this team off as, as a playing team. It took them, to, uh, took them some time to gel, but now they've been kind of hitting the road, you know, just running. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right. Well, all right, uh, let's, oh, let's talk about some uh, rookies now. Uh, Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham. Uh, they've been finally kind of coming into their own. Uh, obviously, they both kind of dealt with injuries. They missed a lot of time. But the last month or so, they've been playing great. They've been playing like the top two picks in the draft. Um, just some numbers from their last seven games. They're both averaging 20 points. Uh, Kay Cunningham's got more rebounds and assists, but Jalen Green's been getting his efficiency up. Um, the storyline that I kind of have been following is that Cade Cunningham and the Pistons are 5-1 and one versus the Cavs and Raptors, which obviously have Mobley and Scotty Barnes, who – are probably top two in the rookie of the year race. You could throw Giddy in there too, but it's just really interesting to see how Cade Cunningham always kind of like plays with a chip on his shoulder when he knows he's playing these guys and he uses his extra fuel to the fire. And I think that's a, I think it's really interesting. I think, um, and it's very promising to see how he's been playing versus the Nets uh, recently too. He had a really good game versus KD. So I think it's certainly really promising to see the number one, number one overall pick to start to shine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, uh, you know, these two, like we kind of expected, it takes time for rookies to, uh, you know, get in the groove of the things. And I think efficiency, more importantly, is the conversation I want to talk about and how it's kind of just overrated as a rookie, you know, especially with guards like Jalen Green, um, Jalen Suggs this year, who's kind of had a rough shooting, you know, shooting splits this year, Kate Cunningham even. I think it's just important for us to take um, those shooting splits with a grain of salt. If they're shooting 35% from the field or like 38% from the field, realistically like 31 from three, because it takes time. You know, the NBA, especially as a guard coming in, it's a tough game to adjust to. You saw with Anthony Edwards last year, you saw it with a bunch of guys in the past. I mean, this isn't the 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 first time. This isn't the first time it's happened. So like now you see Jalen Green, who was shooting like 41% from the field to start the season off now at 48%. This reminds me a lot of what Ant did last year. I mean, th- this is basically what Ant did last year after the all-star break, kind of finding his groove, averaging 20 points a game. So Jalen Green deserves that respect because, I mean, he was really kind of, you know, not being called a bust, but you heard like the root, the whispers of like, man, he's struggling, he's struggling. Like you have to relax, man, when talking about these rookies. Um, and Cade Cunningham too. Like Cade Cunningham is probably one of the most fun rookies to watch. He still turns the ball over a lot. Like he has some rough stretches, like some really ugly turnovers when I watch him play. Like, man, why do you pass that? But like, why do you make that pass? But you know, you see the potential. You see what kind of player he is. You see the hype. Um, like I think, like just watching some Pistons games the last few weeks, Cade is gonna be the best player in the draft class, right? Like, I mean, not not a crazy bullet take, but. You can see that this guy has superstar written all over him, like a 25-point per game, efficient guard who's going to, you know, be setting up his teammates, really elevating his team's play, leading them to, you know, playoff success. Um, so I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing for these two rookies so far. Also, shout-out to Franz Wagner, who's been playing good all year, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, um, Josh Giddy, who's been, you know, Giddy fan club, shout-out to Giddy fan club. Um, I mean, all these rookies, dude, you look at this rookie class, is it crazy to say this is not the best rookie class we've seen in a while? There's so many guys that like we're gonna look back on and say this is the these are all all stars. I mean, Kuminga, as of recently, has picked up his play massively. He's yeah. been one of the best players for the Warriors over the last month. But ideally, too, Cunningham missed some time early on in the season. Jalen Green then missed some time in the middle, and you know they're finally getting themselves into their own and into a rhythm. And look, these teams are set. You know, next year, you know, 
would it surprise you guys if a team like the Pistons, if they drafted somebody like Banchero or Jabari Smith, were a team like the Cavs this year? Yeah. To me, Maybe. no. To me, yeah. no. Because you got Kate Cunningham. He's going to take that next step. You add that great wing next to him. I could, I could see it. I could see it. 100%. The way that the Rockets played last night, Jalen Green, to beat Memphis, you know, you, you had a, another good piece in there. Jabari Smith, Paolo, you know, Chen Holmgren. You don't know. This could turn around really quickly, potentially, because of how good these rookies are playing. And I think, mm-hmm. like you said, Cade Cunningham, he's easily going to be a 25-5 and 5 guy going forward. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, and talking about Cade, he does make some ugly plays. But to me, it's just like watching a rookie quarterback. I mean, they're entrusting him with so much of the offense. Like, obviously, he's going to make a bad play here and there. It's just – it's so much, especially because Killian Hayes kind of just – He's a bust. He's a bust at this point. So, <laughs> Cade Cunningham bust. is like the full-time point guard for this team. He's – I mean, he's bringing the ball up every play. He's He's got to read the floor. And it's tough for a rookie. The game moves a lot faster. Everybody's a lot more talented in the NBA, so it's tough. But he shows enough flashes. He shows plenty of flashes to the point where I'm very confident in him. See, yeah. that's that's the thing. It's flashes. Mm-hmm. No one really is going to ask for consistency every night. But if you show the flashes here and there, that's how you know they're a good player. Like, no offense to Killian Hayes, but he did not show any flashes his rookie year. Like, not a single flash. Just show some flashes. The reality of it is, Kate doesn't even have a great supporting cast around him. I mean, they have a lot of awful guys there. So, like, just wait until they get somebody else. And somebody else that, on a nightly basis, too, could kind of take the scoring load off. So, he, he wouldn't have to be, you know, if he's having it off night, could take that off. But, you know what? Like you said, Graf, it's a good point about the rookie quarterback. Let him get all these kinks out there. Let him get all these turnovers and, you know, bad passes out. Let him get it out of mm-hmm. his system. Wait until next year when he can facilitate. And it's good. Let he's Like you said, he holds a lot of the ball now. That's good. Let him get everything out. Yeah. Let him work on everything. Curve, yeah. Um, yeah. you know they got to move on from Jeremy know. Grant too, because yeah. then then Sadiq Bay and Cade, and then one of these big young rookies could be a really good young trio. Yeah. Sadiq Bay but is no, like the perfect. You know, role Sadiq Bay is very good, and Marvin like, Bagley. Nobody talks about like him ever been, since being traded to the Pistons. Yeah. he's putting some work. I think he's averaging like thirteen points and like or eight, 18 points in March. Yeah, yeah something eighteen. Oh, no, it was one game. Excuse me, I, I literally looked at one game. But like, no, he's averaging thirteen with the Pistons, though. You're right. Thirteen he, with the Pistons. That was a, so, yeah, yeah. That's why I wanted. To, I kept saying I wanted the Bulls to get him for cheap because they got him for nothing, and I, I, I know he still has potential. I mean, he's only like twenty two. So, but I think they should move on from Jeremy Grant. He doesn't really fit their timeline. They were asking for a little too much. They wanted like Patrick Williams, Kobe White, and a pick, and that's not going to happen. No, but um, still, you even just take a pick, get. Well, somebody. I was going to say you got to just get something for him and just move on because it, it it doesn't really make sense to hold on to a guy like him. No, you know, no, the Pistons definitely have some bad players, like no doubt. But like they have Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, and Jeremy Grant. Like those four, are not bad. But dude, outside of that, like their bench is horrible. Their, their bench is horrible. Like, like yeah. Rodney Magruder and like Hammy Diallo, like get minutes for oh, them. Like Killian oh. Hayes, like they get minutes for them. Like that's that's bad. When you get a guy like Banchero or Smith or Homegroom potentially, like you're gonna elevate Cade so much more too, because he's gonna have somebody that he could trust, someone that could take oh, off. Banchero and Cade would be so nice. No- and then, so and then nice. you're gonna have somebody like Sadiq Bay is like the perfect role player. Get a few more guys like that. Like, you know, like I said, that I well, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a quick turnaround as long as mm-hmm. they get somebody. You know that. That is an elite wing, hopefully. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, for sure. And the Rockets, look, the Rockets, so I think they're like, it's weird because the Rockets seem like they have talent. Like they have Christian Wood, KPJ, Jalen Green. It's just, a, I don't know. Are they going to need, is it only one more piece or is it just going to no. need to be blown up? Like, I don't know, a, like, a little bit. I think, I think Wood ultimately, you know. They trade Wood, better, right? Yeah, Wood's in half. Better as a five, but if you bring in a guy like Holmgren, for example, 
you're just better off trading Christian Wood and moving on at that point. And honestly, you know, call me crazy, but K, uh, KPJ probably too. Uh, with the, some of the stuff that went on this year, he's very inconsistent and he's just taking touches away from Jalen Green. You're probably better off moving on from him as well. Just get one of these new guys from the draft. Keep it, keep some role players like Jay Sean Tate and then let, let Jalen Green be the main guy in the offense. Because at the end of the day, Sure, he might not be listed as a point guard like Luca, but he's a like he he needs the ball in his hands in order to succeed. So you're not doing him any benefit unless you think you know him and KPJ are going to work together. I don't think so. So they have, I, they I think, have Garrison Matthews, Alpren Sengun, like Eric Alpren Sengun. They, they, they're yeah. better off keeping Sengun than Wood because when when Wood was hurt, Sengun was playing a lot better, and Wood just not going to fit if you get a guy like Chen Holmgren. He's not. Or even with a wing like that. I know. Then... I like Wood, though. I think Wood's a really good player. Maybe not just a fit here. And I think it's ultimately weird, he just needs a change of scenery. But He puts up like, like – I would he, agree with that. He's pretty – he's very efficient. 18 and 10 guys shoots the three. I don't like know what the problem is. Like, it's I, a shame I, that he left the Pistons. The Pistons could – Yeah, be. I mean, but you, you can't deny that it just isn't really working. So a change of scenery yeah. is – is just the best option. I mean, defensively speaking, he's not the best. He's yeah. not the best. And, but the whole Rockets team isn't good defensively. They're, they're going to be picking high in the draft. Obviously, I don't know what pick, but you can't pass on one of these prospects because you have Christian Wood on your roster. You know, that would be yeah. a huge mistake. 100%. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to Mailbag Monday to wrap up today's episode. As always, we got five questions from you guys that you guys, you know, are so thankful that you guys took the time out of your day to drop a question down below. We appreciate it. Um, ooh, people using the hashtag mailbag Monday. I didn't even, ah, that's interesting. Let's um, go. So hash, yeah, get, let's, let's hashtag mailbag Monday, guys. I, I didn't even know people, <laughs> I, I, I saw like people like adding the, the, the hashtag to the question. I, we, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and this guy, Chase has his profile pictures, our profile. His bio is biggest sneaky sports podcast fan. That's awesome. Wow. So Chase, Chase Milham, Chase Milham, he asked, do you think Marcus Mariota will be a quarterback, a starting quarterback rather anywhere next season? He said maybe somewhere like Pittsburgh. I mean, I know one of my friends specifically thinks that the Giants should take him in because like, is he really worse than Daniel Jones? I don't know. Probably not. Um, it would be, I, I think he deserves a look somewhere though. He's probably good enough to be a starter, like a low end starter. He's better than um, Pittsburgh has yeah. right now. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think Mariota is going to be a guy almost in a sense where he's going to be in like a training camp competition. Um, and like he like somewhere like Denver, maybe Pittsburgh. But like for the Giants, Trubisky, it makes 100% sense. He was with Brian Dable last year in Buffalo. You know, let Daniel right, well, well, let's, let's talk about Let's talk about Mariota. That's the question, not the Yeah, I, I think he's a training camp compete guy. I don't know if he, he gets a job. So the the okay. person who asked the question said Pittsburgh. And I mean, as of right now, if they're not, if they don't plan on addressing the quarterback position in the draft, I would bring in Mariota. Oh, geez. Calvin I think Mariota to the Colts. Calvin really just tweeted, I bet 1,500 total. I don't have a gambling problem. Now he's tweeting after he got suspended saying that he, that's a really bad idea. Why is that a bad idea? I mean, I don't know. He just, he just said he bet fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, but okay, but like it was already out there. Like he was in trouble. I know, either, but like, it's not like they like, said like he, he might like, get suspended like for more. Like it's at least one year. So like if they investigate and like find more stuff out, he might be like banned from the NFL. Yeah, but fifteen hundred is only a one year thing for sure. Yeah, but I don't think the amount of money has anything to do with it. I think it's just the fact that he did it. It's definitely not allowed in their contracts. I think a one year ban is okay. 
I don't think it should be two years. I mean, come on. Unless it was like a gambling addiction where you like bet like like for like five years straight now. I don't know. That's I don't know. The whole thing's just interesting. But he, yeah, well, he we will see. That. We will see. Um, we honestly have some amazing questions. We appreciate you guys dropping these questions. Um, let's see. From our man, the randomist, who said, um, "Would you live in a bungalow? What, what's a bungalow? No. Like, is that like the I don't those things on the beach?" Large. Right. I, we, oh, is that what it is? Um, I'm looking at a whole lot. Yeah, no, I like to. I like air conditioning and like amenities that are in a house. Wait, so a bungalow is like a. It's a beach house, right? Is that, is that what it? Why no. am I, I'm looking up like actual houses. They, they look like actual houses. I mean, if it's an actual house, then sure. But I'm thinking think like one of those things with like the straw roofs and like the. Uh, I mean, you know? honestly, like I I like technology like i'm a person like like needs wi-fi and i don't think they'll have the bungalow yeah. will have wi-fi so but if you're asking if i would live on a house on the beach absolutely i love the beach but just not in like a yeah like, I, I yeah i agree i don't know when i hear the word bungalow i think of like the rundown like the straw roofs and like not even like a door i don't know no oh, and apparently really bet on the falcons so that's <laughs> yeah. kind of a problem that's kind of a problem. Yeah, but was that's he playing? A, oh, wait, that's a, that's a problem. You're right, because... Even if he's not playing, he's betting on it. So you have, like, insider information. So, like... Yeah. It's, it's definitely... I wonder, if they, I wonder if they won in the bet. We, we, gotta, we, gotta, we gotta figure that out. I mean, how do they know which team he bet on, but they don't know who if he won the bet? It's interesting. All right. Um, let's move on to... Uh, this is a good question from our man, Robbie454. He said, first, who is your current MVP? He said, I have Joel right now, but Jokic is really close. And second, what is your NBA championship matchup right now? I have Nuggets Heat. Nuggets fan, wow. baby. Robbie, Nuggets fan in the, in the, in the chat. Oh, so so he Robbie. has the Nuggets making the finals, but he doesn't have Jokic winning MVP. That's interesting. That, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think yeah. right now Jokic is the MVP. I would give it to Giannis, but Jokic is gonna win. I don't even Giannis isn't even like involved in these discussions anymore. I don't know why, but it's just Jokic and Embiid. It's because they're the three C. I, I that's a good point, honestly. I don't know why, but maybe because he hasn't played some. It's so it, why is he not in the discussion? He should. I don't know, but and then the finals matchup for me right now is probably Sixers Suns. I like that. That's valid. That's like the I super would, obvious pick, though. I, I you know, I, I, I think that's valid. I think that, I, I think once yeah. Draymond comes back. They'll get everything figured okay, out. Like that? Um, I mean, I, I'd hope conference. so because I've always loved watching the Warriors, but he needs to get back quick. He what said about the 70, 76ers, I'd say. I'm going to say Suns-Bucks again. I think it's going to be a rematch. That's just, possible for sure. Bro, this, the way that like Tyrese Maxey's played too, like you have like a third guy now too. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just think that we're like, criminally underrating Harris. the Bucks right now. The Bucks are – as good as last year, I really think that. I don't think I'm they, underrating the Bucks. I think if anything, I'm overrating the Sixers. I just think they're like unstoppable right now, the way they've been playing. I just like the Bucks a lot because defensively, we know how much of a nightmare they are. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. I think that winning last year's championship, like that, gave him the confidence. That gave the confidence, yeah, like you know, in the then in a sense, in morale, you're, that, like you're the hunted, your- you're not the hunter. So everybody's trying to. Yeah, beat I, I I think that they they needed to have the confidence to know that they could win a championship. I think like knowing that they're capable of doing so was huge. Getting over that Brooklyn series, I think, was the the real shifter for them. Beating Brooklyn, so I think that changed everything. I think after yeah, that they knew that they they were fair. unstoppable. But um, let's talk about um. Will Russ be cut before twenty twenty three? Is that Russell Westbrook? <laughs> I mean, probably not. I mean, some hey, Russell Wilson signing. wouldn't be caught cut. 
Um, Russell Westbrook, I, I don't think he can be cut either. I think that's interesting. I don't know. I bought out. I doubt it because the Lakers are still going to want to try and contend for as long as LeBron is there. They're going to need to find a trade partner somehow. I don't even you know. know what's interesting. So after his contract expires, how much money do you guys think he's going to get in his next contract? Like five million. That, I mean, that's a great that, question, and I genuinely don't know the answer. It could maybe be like a vet minimum. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I, like, some people are saying he's going to get like the mellow treatment, where he like went to Houston and then got like banned from the NBA for a year because nobody wanted him because he was so bad. I don't know if that's going to happen, but and that he won't come back and definitely definitely on the lower end. He'll take an adjustment. Yeah, but yeah. like I, I honestly just think sometimes like what's stopping Westbrook from turning into like the D Rose? Like D Rose, I think is a perfect guy who like was able to mold his game into like a very nice piece as like a six man. Like I, I'm hoping for Westbrook that he could do something something like that in his future. I think it's not about cool. the player that he can do it. It's about him wanting to do it too. Because that was ultimately what people were afraid of with Melo. They were like is this guy going to like be willing to like play a role off the bench and not be one of the main guys anymore? That's what people are going to be worried about with Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Because if Westbrook's given a bench role, like you see with Derek Rose, sometimes he's able at spurts and games to be able to get to the cup at will, just get the ball at the top of the key and just drive to the basket. Like if he can give you that like two or three times a game, like just be a limited role off the bench. Like I think he could do some damage in that if he's willing to take that role. Like I, I think he's still very capable of being a great player. If, like, he has the ball in his hands less, he's still a great playmaker. Sure, he'll turn the ball over sometimes, but if he has the ball in his hands less, less responsibility, you have to hope that not, he'll, he'll it's make It's not a matter of him efficient. having the ball in his hands less. He's ineffective when the ball's not in his hands. It's just a matter of him having less minutes and taking on a lesser role. Yeah, less minutes, yeah. So if, he's, he, if he's in the game and he doesn't have the ball, he's not, he's not helping you. He has, to, he has to expect that, though. And if he doesn't want to, he might even just retire. He's made more than enough money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's interesting it, it, to see if he'll retire, yeah possible i don't know it's it's going to be interesting to see how players who can't shoot the ball and rely on their athleticism those type of players it's hard for them to like really play in their late 30s it's yeah like, i mean but that's what, becoming like, fewer and far but more far between i mean like almost everybody can shoot now because chris paul, like you look at the guys like chris paul lebron like even guys who can't who are not the best shooters but like are known but for their crazy learned, ass they how to shoot. yeah but, like they they've like kind of evolved to playing great in their late 30s mm-hmm. but a lot of the great greats like the best of the best always walk out still playing at a really, really high level. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. all right. So in our last, oh, it's four Oh nine. Let's just wrap the podcast up. I think we got to five questions anyway. That's going to be it from the sneaky sports podcast season or oh, episode 111. Some crazy breaking news on the podcast. Calvin really betting on games. Uh, had a pretty fun NBA episode for you guys, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Just follow our socials, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and make sure to rate our podcast five stars. And once again, we appreciate you guys. Number 25 on trending for a video on this channel. I don't know what, what number is on right now, but we're number 25 at one point um, when I checked. Could have been higher, could have been lower. Um, at, I don't know what it peaked at, but that's crazy. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace out.